0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Ladies and Founders podcast. My name is Adam Kinder, one of the co-hosts here and one of the co-founders at Gathered and Found. Um, today we're bringing you episode four in our Food, Tech and Sustainability series. I'm really, really excited to bring this one to you. It's been one of my favorite ones so far. Um, so today we're gonna give you a bit of the story of Tessa Clark and Olio. Um, so Olio have had some amazing press and big press recently. They recently signed um, a, big, uh, a big agreement with Tesco's where they're going to be helping the supermarkets with surplus food and actually giving that, to uh, those who are more vulnerable, you know, much more in need than the average person. So it's an amazing company. Um, for anyone who doesn't really know what they are, um, so Olio is, is a free app, free to use app, which allows, you know, within the community, it allows neighbors and those who live locally to you as a, uh, you know, as a consumer, as, as a person, essentially to help, stop food waste just getting thrown away and actually sharing it you know and i think some people would be amazed with what some people actually would like you know every time that i've thrown something away i haven't really thought about it too much but you know it's amazing that there are you know so many people out there that would love your sort of surplus food um and it's a huge huge cause of you know big big parts of the uh the global emissions you know on the environment 50% 50% of food waste comes from the household which is a pretty staggering number um, and Tessa actually <laughs> not, the, it, not intentionally but she actually has made me feel pretty bad about some of the, the schoolboy you know rookie mistakes that we as a family have made so hopefully a few people can pick up on a few really good tips from Tessa um, but you know today they're helping you know millions of people in so many different countries around the world you know helping stopping food waste you know, providing surplus food and actually they're doing some amazing charity work you know, in the community where you can join as a volunteer to really help those in need get food that they just can't afford and just don't have access to. Um, so I'm not going to say too much. She's an awesome lady, Tessa. She's obviously had an amazing, uh, you know, hugely successful career prior to that, including being managing director of Dyson and EMAP. Um, so she's got a great story. I love speaking with her. And yeah, please download Olio, um, my family and I have actually been using Olio since I spoke to Tessa and it's a great company that I think everyone really needs to get behind and and really support their their cause Um, so look without further ado I'm gonna pass it straight over to Tessa I really hope you enjoy this one and yeah please download Olio So Tessa, thank you for joining us on the Leaders and podcast.
1: My pleasure. Good to be here.
0: Thank you very much. Where are you dialing in from? Are you uh, are you at home at the moment?
1: I am. Yep. I'm in Wiltshire. Um, so just about an hour, hour and a bit outside of London. And the sun is shining today. So all is good.
0: Perfect. Yeah. It's going to be good weather this week in the UK. So that's great. Um, so look, thank you very much for joining us. We're really excited to, to get some of your time. I know you're Super, super busy, so thanks for, for giving some of that up. Um, but yeah, as, as everybody knows, we're doing a food sustainability and food tech series for the podcast, so we've got some great businesses and Olio were right at the top of the list of people we, uh, we really wanted to get on. So I'm sure many people know who you are, but just for anyone who maybe isn't aware or hasn't come across Olio, Olio before, can you just give us a bit of an intro to, to you and, and the business?
1: Yep. So Olio is an app that exists to tackle the enormous problem of food waste that takes place in the home. And we do that by connecting people with their neighbours. So instead of throwing away their unwanted food, instead they can give it away. And so how it works is you just snap a photo of your food, add it to the app. Neighbours living nearby get an alert. They can then browse the listings, request what they want and pop around and pick it up. So at its heart, Olio is all about sustainability but it's also about community it's about connecting people in real life and we've had just over two million people join the app so far and they have given away over six million portions of food
0: fantastic which is amazing and for anyone who, who doesn't know the, the food waste issue is, is huge and a large large part of that is it close to 50% of the UK comes from home right from the consumer
1: yeah yeah you're, you're absolutely right so a massive misconception is Uh, around where food waste takes place. So most people assume that most food waste takes place at a retail store level, and that just couldn't be further from the truth. In a country like the UK, half of all food waste takes place in the home. Just 2% of all food waste is generated at retail store level. Then there's 8% that's generated sort of hospitality and leisure food service kind of eating out Then there's 12% in manufacturing, and then the remainder, which is just under 30%, takes place at the farm gate.
0: Sure. Yeah, we which is crazy. And I think uh, I've said it a few times, my wife and I, one of our favorite hobbies is unfortunately throwing away food. So I actually <laughs> oh downloaded <dear. laughs> yeah, Olio so a couple of weeks ago when we started speaking. Yeah. So I'm uh, yeah, I'm I'm on the mission, I'm on the journey. Which is Fantastic.
1: Cool. Glad to hear it.
0: Perfect. So I mean, just to kind of take us back before you know the starting of the business, you've had obviously a very successful career, you know, within leadership and some, some very big businesses like Dyson, for example, um and, yep. and, and the emap as well. Um how did you, did you always love food? You obviously grew up on a farm, right? So is it something which is quite close to your heart?
1: It is. Um, So I love food, although I wouldn't describe myself as a foodie. Um, I I just sort of enjoy food very much. Uh, But because I was brought up on a farm, I've had first-hand experience of just how much hard work goes into producing the food that we all eat every day and I'm still kind of scarred from the experience when my parents decided to dabble with uh, organic farming and we had a nine acre field and if you've never seen like nine acre field it's bloody big when you and your two brothers uh, have to hoe the whole entire field and and de-weed it so uh, yes I had a sort of a well-spent or misspent childhood depending on how you're looking at it uh, working incredibly hard producing yeah, yeah. food and so as a result of that i have a pathological hatred for food <laughs> waste and, and used to go to kind of crazy lengths to try and avoid it and i didn't to be honest think anything sort of in particular about that i certainly did not think that sort of my life's calling would be solving the problem of food waste but here we are
0: yeah of course and i absolutely love the story of how you sort of had the idea was it when you were packing up uh, one of your properties and you had some leftover food that you just didn't want to throw away right
1: Yes so I was living with my family in Switzerland and we were moving back to the UK and on moving day the removal men said that I had to throw away all of our uneaten food and obviously this is something that I was absolutely not going to do so much their irritation I stopped packing and instead bundled up my at the time uh, newborn baby and toddler and set out onto the streets with this food to try and give it away and Uh, To cut a long story short, I failed miserably, got very over emotional about the fact that I've gone to all this effort to share this food and hadn't succeeded and ended up going back to my apartment. And when the removal men weren't looking, I smuggled the non-perishable food into the bottom of my packing box. And that was the moment where I just thought, this is absolutely ridiculous that I'm probably performing a criminal offence by doing this, but to me it seemed equally criminal to put perfectly good food in the bin when I knew there was surely someone, you know, probably a hundred meters from me who would love to have it. The problem was they just didn't know about it.
0: Yeah, of course. I think they're probably really true to so many people because I remember when we moved house a couple of years ago, we packed up boxes and boxes of like canned yeah. foods and foods that had probably been there for years. and Years, we, all these good intentions
1: that are never gonna happen. Yeah,
0: yeah exactly. Like, nobody needs that much minestrone soup in their
1: cup. In my opinion. <laughs> no, <exactly. laughs> and after COVID, I'm sure, you know, more more people than we care to admit have their cupboards groaning full of stuff that they've sort of, you know, stocked up um, that in reality they just don't need.
0: Yeah, of course. So talk us through the, the sort of early days, I guess, of setting the business up. So you had a bit of a, like a market research group, a pilot group where, did you have it on WhatsApp? Is that right? Is that the initial first yeah. testing, I guess, of, of the product or the service?
1: Yeah, so my co-founder, Sasha and I, we went through a pretty rigorous but very fast process to figure out if this was something that was going to work or not. So, the very first thing we did was desk research. And, and briefly, we discovered that globally, a third of all the food we produce each year gets thrown away, which is worth over a trillion dollars, which we couldn't quite believe. We both had a business background. We couldn't believe that there was um, an industry that was just so ineff had so much waste in it, it was so inefficient. We discovered that alongside that widespread waste, there's widespread hunger. So, 800 million people one in nine of us goes to bed hungry every night. Who Mm -hmm. could be fed on a quarter of the food that we waste in the Western world? Uh, And then as if all of that weren't bad enough, we discovered that food waste is absolutely environmentally devastating. So if it were to be a country, food waste would be the third largest source of greenhouse gas emissions after the USA and China. And a big part of the reason for that is because a land mass larger than China is used every single year to grow food that is never eaten. So that is land that's been deforested, indigenous uh, populations that have been displaced, species driven into extinction. A quarter of humanity's fresh water is used to grow food that's never eaten. So the environmental toll of food waste is, is staggering. And then as we look to the future we discovered that we have another 2.2 billion people joining the planet. In order to feed us all, we need to increase global food production by 50%. And today we have absolutely no clue how we're going to achieve that. So we sort of went through that desk research process and, and sort of couldn't quite believe this story that we were piecing together. It sounded like some weird, horrific, dystopian nightmare. We couldn't believe that that is our reality. And then to discover that half of all food waste takes place in the home, you know, that we are responsible for half of that Horrible problem um, was sort of the, the real kicker, and, and that, so that definitely gave us that sort of fire in our belly to solve this problem. The second thing we did was we said, well, just because it's a big problem, sort of on paper, doesn't mean to see, doesn't mean to say that people care about it. So how can we find out if people care about this? And we did a market research survey that we sort of distributed via Facebook groups, etc. And the key data coming out of that was that one in three people said that they were physically pained. Throwing away good food, so that was another big tick in the box. It was like it's a big problem on paper. It's a problem people care about. You know they're physically paying it. They have to do this the whole time. Then the third step that we needed to prove before sinking our life savings, building an app that quite possibly no one would want, we need to test that hypothesis. The core hypothesis was that people would share with their neighbours in order to avoid food waste. And how we tested that was by inviting 12 of the people who did that market research survey, who said they were physically paying throwing away good food, who all lived near each other, but didn't know each other and didn't know us. We said, hey, will you take part in this crazy experiment? It's gonna be two weeks. We're gonna pop you on a WhatsApp group with 11 other people. And if you've got any spare food, here's some people we can share it with and we sort of waited with bated breath to see if anyone would actually share anything into this into this whatsapp group and thankfully after about 24 hours they did mm-hmm. um, and two weeks later we met and debriefed with those participants and they told us three things they said one you absolutely have to do this mm-hmm. two it only needs to be slightly better than a whatsapp group and three how can i help and the how can i help was really the genesis of our our ambassador program now which has been a massive part of sort of how Olio has grown and at that point we then thought right we have all the data and conviction that we need to to spend our our life savings sort of getting an app built and so that was what we did
0: Fantastic. Yeah, and I think it's so interesting. I mean, we've, we've, we've heard also, I mean, the the staggering facts and figures around food waste at every single level as well. We've spoken to some really innovative, you know, farming businesses who are trying to help, you know, farmers produce more food efficiently, um, you know, through to obviously the supply chain, you know, the the consumer. end. So there are so many problems, I guess, with the model and structure. Um, in terms of the, the business, I guess, obviously it's all been kind of formed around it. It's still a young company, right? You're still only yeah. really a few years old. Yeah. Um, do you still have some, so many more plans for how you can impact sort of earlier in the process? What are the kind of plans for you guys now?
1: So we're really, really, really focused on solving the problem of food waste in the home because yeah. to be honest, no one else is and yeah. that's where half the problem is. So yeah. that is our mission and we will not stop until we have you know, a billion people plus Uh, giving away their surplus food from their homes on on Olio. But what we have done is we have moved slightly up the uh, supply chain to move into uh, supermarkets, uh, cafes, bakeries, delis, canteens, Mm -hmm. because um, what we found in our early days actually was our early adopters hated food waste, so they didn't generate any. And the early businesses that we had hoped would use Olio generated plenty of food waste but didn't have the time to use the app and so obviously a food sharing app with not much food on it is pretty useless to everybody so we thought well let's kind of solve this problem by matching those two user groups up and through that we developed our food waste heroes program and so we now have over ten thousand volunteers who we recruit uh, via the app we train them online and then we dynamically match them with their local business and so those volunteers then put onto a squad and they provide a service to that business whereby they will pop out their apartment to so their allotted time and day across the road, say go to their local supermarket, they'll pick up all the unsold food, take it home, add it to the app, the neighbors request it, the neighbors pop around and pick it up. And so we're enabling those business locations to be zero food waste. And that's doing a couple of things for sort of Oleo and our main mission. So what we've found is we're building a two-sided marketplace and for us supply is king. And so the Food Waste Heroes program is a really effective way to essentially sort of kick start uh, our hyperlocal sharing in any particular geography by bringing high quality supply into the app plus it enables us to generate sort of virality and word of mouth because pretty quickly word gets out there if you can get free food from pret a on this app mm. uh, and it also enables us to start generating revenue so we, we charge businesses instead of them paying a waste contractor to take that food off to landfill or at best anaerobic digestion instead they pay us but we, you know, our sort of foray into into retail and hospitality and leisure has only been done kind of as a strategy to enable us to better fulfill on our core mission, which is solving the problem of food waste in the home.
0: Perfect. And how, how have you found the last sort of six months, I guess, going into lockdown? Was there a big adoption of the app? Did you see a big spike in, in customers and people using your service?
1: Yeah, so we, we've had a, as with everybody, we've had a really... Um, A rollercoaster ride, really, uh, I think is the fair fair thing to say. So within the first kind of 24 or 48 hours of lockdown being announced, it was not at all clear that a neighbor to neighbor food sharing app could continue to exist. And we worked incredibly hard with our food safety lawyer, our environmental health officer. uh, And also we talked and listened a lot to our community. And we very quickly realized that actually we had a responsibility to make sure that we continued to operate uh, through lockdown because so many people were depending upon Olio um, as an essential lifeline for food. And also people who were vulnerable or who were shielding were saying that they felt much safer and more comfortable going and picking up some food from a neighbor's doorstep than, than going on public transport or going into a busy store. And so we immediately pivoted our model to be a no-contact pickup so that basically meant that you had to leave the food outside a few moments before the person was due to collect it and we also stipulated you could only do a pickup as part of your daily exercise or a trip to a store so we and we very quickly kind of put messaging throughout the user journey in the app about how to share safely during covid and we kind of really tried to over communicate uh, around that Uh, The first sort of 10 days, we saw a decline of about 20 or 25% in terms of the amount of sharing that was happening. Mm -hmm. And then from early April onwards, the amount of activity on the platform has just kind of gone into the stratosphere. So, um, and we've kind of grown more in the last five weeks than we have in the past five years, which is sort of the stuff you dream of. Uh, And I think there's several reasons for that. One. You only need to see a few photographs of empty supermarket shelves to realize that actually food is incredibly precious we it is literally our life source mm-hmm. and so and lots of research has come out kind of validating that that over half of people now say they're valuing food more 48 percent of people saying that they're wasting food less mm-hmm. so that was happening we then also had collectively our eyes open to the horrific level of food poverty in this country so the food foundation issued some research showing that one and a half million people were going hungry on a daily basis during the height of lockdown. And I think that really prompted a lot of people to think, you know what, maybe I don't need all that minestrone soup, Mm -hmm. Uh, right? Maybe, maybe maybe I can kind of um, help somebody and give that away. Mm -hmm. I think also just the general trend towards all things local and local living has really helped as well. You know, oleoing is a great sort of break to your day and opportunity to get out the house. And then we also had, what can only be described as really kind of a nationwide Marie Kondo moment where people were sort of using that lockdown um, as an opportunity to get around to doing all that clearing out they've been meaning to do for years Uh, and we have a non-food section on the app as well I should say so people are using Olio to give away toiletries and cleaning products and kitchen appliances books clothes toys things you don't want to sell you don't want to ship half across the country you just want to press a button automatically a happy neighbor shows up and takes them off your hand uh, and so the non-food um, section grew really really rapidly as a result of lockdown
0: yeah of course yeah and i think it's you know when you just look at those figures as you said i mean there are going to be nine billion people i think by 2050 you know as you said the, the ecosystem of the system won't be able to produce that but if there's so much which is being developed and produced which is just being thrown away it seems like now that you guys are around, it seems like a no-brainer. <laughs> but I guess it takes the vision of of you know people like yourself and, and obviously your co-founders to to really put that into place. Um, but I'm sure that wasn't an easy process, right? You had
1: no, well, <laughs> and it still it still isn't. You know let let's be let's be clear. Sort of, mm. we've got just over two million people have joined Olio, but we we need a billion plus people using Olio. And and I think the point you make about um, Sort of that you're alluding to there around consumption is a really really important point as well because uh, you know some kind of horrific stats and things that we've encountered on our journey there's there's two things so one 60 of all greenhouse gas emissions come about as a result of household consumption
0: mm-hmm.
1: and when you sort of let that sink in a minute <laughs> then actually you know it does make the climate crisis feel a lot, you know, makes you feel a lot more personally accountable and responsible for it. Because I think at the moment, the way it's been described is in terms of sort of industries and and this massive requirement for system change. But when you recognize that 60% of greenhouse gas emissions are a direct result of household consumption, that's sort of incredibly empowering. And hopefully it needs to be triggering us all to completely rethink how we consume, you know, and to to make something like Olio a no-brainer. And then the second thing is uh, there's a concept called earth overshoot day and that is the day in the year in which humanity has used all the resources that the earth can replenish in a year now when that was first measured which was back in 1969 and 1970 earth overshoot day was the 31st of december so what that meant was humanity used in a year what the earth could replenish in a year we were living in equilibrium with the planet happy days you fast forward to this year And Earth Overshoot Day was the 22nd of August Um, and What that means is that every single thing that every single one of seven and a half billion people are consuming after the 22nd of August is net net depletive to the planet so Given that stark reality that we are facing at the moment, we're in mass collective denial about this. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it does make oleo a total no brainer. Of course, we have got to stop just tossing stuff in the bin. Of course, we've got to make sure that those, you know, I think the typical American household has 300,000 things in it. We've got to make sure that those 300,000 things are being fully utilized. So it is a no brainer when you look at the big picture. But sadly, there's a massive lag between that reality and consumer behavior and where we're at today. So we're a million miles away from being where we need to be.
0: Yeah, of course. And I think from the conversations that I've had, I'll hundred percent hold my hand up as I think most people probably will. Uh, You know, I've been pretty naive to it. You always know that it's an issue, you know about climate change, but when you see how much is linked and as you said, when you actually realize how much comes from the household itself, it's actually like it actually makes you feel very bad, you know, about some of the decisions that you make as well. Yes. And I think from a lot of the founders that we've spoken to that are looking at different parts of the chain, it's almost. I think a lot of it is laziness, right? You know, I think when it comes down to what you can actually specifically do, whether it's cutting down, you know, your meat consumption, or just looking at, the, you know, the different behaviours that you lead as a family, as an individual, or as a as a human, if you like, on the planet. I think most of it has to come from I guess not even the education which is available, because there is a lot out there. But I think a lot of people still have to want to be educated on the matter. Yeah. Um, and I guess with with the you know the app and the business, it's a very scalable model, right? Because all you need yeah. is people who live with other people who can who can exchange goods. How, how have you seen the expansion of your geography so far?
1: Yeah. So just quickly back to that point about. So what's going to make this happen? And so you're absolutely right. I I do think that um, laziness or or just perhaps it's just not important enough to enough people because it's all about time allocation. So we are not allocating our time to figuring out how we can live more sustainably. We're choosing to spend our time on Instagram or watching Netflix or that, you know, we're not spending our leisure time Mm. figuring out how to make our families more sustainable. Now, myself and my family we've been on this journey since we've had our eyes opened. You kind of can't close them again. Uh, and you've got to, you realize very quickly, you've got to walk the talk. So we've been on a journey for the past couple of years to figure out how we can dramatically reduce our, our footprint. And it was overwhelming at first, especially kind of single use plastic. You'd open the fridge, just heaving with single use plastic. You'd open the drawer under the sink in the kitchen. Again, a wash with single use plastic. You go into the bathroom, single use plastic everywhere. Um, and it was overwhelming. But what, what I did was I said, right, I'm just going to pick off sort of one change to make per week, because I've got to start somewhere. And that's the only way I can make it manageable. And then it became a bit of a sort of challenge, you know, and, and some things would take me a really long time to figure out how to crack that one. Um, And very much inspired kind of by that journey um, that I've been on, and indeed many of the Olio team members and much of our community, we recently launched a new section in the app called Goals. And essentially it's kind of a Tinder style user interface, which tries to actually sort of take away that sort of worthy, time-consuming education piece and instead lead people with inspiration making it easy and convenient and gamification as well so you kind of right swipe on a goal that you uh, want to do left swipe on something for maybe later and we kind of give you here's the three things that we would you know if it's a product here's the three things that we'd recommend here's some further reading so we've tried to make it really really easy for people um to do that and so i think Education does have a certain role to play, but we've also got to inspire people. We've got to make it as easy and convenient as possible. And ultimately, we need regulation. We need governments to step up and do the job that they're supposed to do, which is look after the best interests of their citizens. And then to your question about international expansion of sort of all of that and the stuff that we're doing, because we do need to have... Olio is massively scalable. We do want a billion people within the next 10 years. Having said that, we're very focused on the UK right now because we know we've got to sort of prove out the model end to end. But we have, um, so 75% of our user base is in the UK and about 25% and 25% of all our activities are taking place overseas. And we've got a little bit counter to the conventional wisdom. So the conventional wisdom is if you're building a two-sided marketplace, you have to stay sort of local. Um, and prove out the whole entire model end to end. But we very quickly found, almost from day one, that people were reaching out to us from all over the world saying, We want to use Olio, give us Olio. And we just thought, Why are we fighting this? Why don't we just give people all the tools that they need, kind of open source this model a little bit, give them a playbook? They can get Olio Kickstart in their local community. And the massive advantage of that approach we've taken is that we've now got data about where Olio is working really well. So previously, we had assumed as perhaps t- typical founders that are based in the UK, oh, our first international expansion steps, well, maybe we'll go to France or Germany. Mm-hmm. And actually, now we've got the data, Olio, in fact, is being used um, sort of most intensely in Mexico, in yep. Singapore, in New Zealand, and um, mm-hmm. places that we would never have perhaps intuitively um, selected. So, So kind of, Forgetting the rule block a little bit, I think has been helpful because it's enabled us to get real data. Um, but the important thing is we're just doing it in a very low cost organic way that isn't taking up a ton of our time either. So we are really focused on the UK, but we're just incubating organically the international, um, which hopefully puts us kind of in good stead for when we are ready to expand internationally properly. Yeah, of
0: course. Yeah. And, and it's really interesting what you say there, you know, so many companies I think fight off, you know, the desire to go in a different location because everything has to be in a really kind of great sort of place. And of course you want that, but if there's an outcry from so many different countries that want to use your product, ultimately you're here to help the planet, right? And to, to yeah. feed. so it's amazing that so many people have wanted to get involved with that for sure. Um, what's kind of next for you guys? I mean, what can, what can people do to, to help raise awareness, you know, apart from talking about the product? I mean, first of all, if you're listening, please download Olio for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. Get sharing.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I have a sort of a community group where, where I live um, and somebody actually put on this, it's like a Facebook community group that they had like some eggs and stuff that was due to go out of date. And somebody else said, have you downloaded Olio?" So I feel yeah. like it, it is spreading definitely. And that's what we're trying to, to assist as well. But, you know, what, what can people do to start sort of making an impact? Is it just making better decisions when you actually go shopping to try and re- reduce that waste as well? What are some tips that you've got for the everyday person like me that wants to make a change but maybe doesn't know where to start?
1: Well, the starting point I'd point everybody to does not sound sexy or exciting or glamorous, but it's highly effective, uh, which is meal planning. And yep. so just taking that bit of time out on a Sunday evening or whenever you want to do it to figure out what, meals you you want that week and then to shop to that plan because if you kind of just go into the store and whiz around just throw stuff in your basket you'll end up with a whole load of stuff that um, ends up sort of going off because you're not going to get around to eating it Um, I think the next thing then is really uh, understanding how to store food properly so there are so many people for example who put tomatoes in the fridge That's an absolute no, no. Um, Or who store their onions next to their potatoes. That makes them both go off more quickly or um, bananas. If you just kind of leave them out on the counter, they'll go off super fast. But if you wrap um, some cloth or or beeswax wrap or something around the top, it will dramatically slow the rate of ripening. So there's just so many awesome sort of food tips and tricks and i i can see you smiling because i've obviously shouted called out some uh...
0: so unfortunately i do virtually every single one of those things right um, so yeah bananas are normally on the counter in the fruit bowl which i will now yeah. cover in some sort of club.
1: Yeah, c- c- cover cover the, the the sort of um the the stem the bit where they, they all sort of they connect together
0: yeah. Right, okay, Perfect. But these are the things, right? You know, I I'm, I'm literally coming across as a, a complete sort of fool here, but these are the kind of things that I think people just don't actually understand, right? So no,
1: to- totally. And and you know why why should they? I, I guess we've sort of we've lost that institutional knowledge. Um, it's not sort of covered in schools and stuff like that, but it's really important because uk households are throwing away 14 billion pounds sterling of food each year that could have been eaten it's 730 pounds sterling per family per year that is a lot of money we're, we're sort of throwing away so plan your meals sort of storage um and then just just be prepared to kind of go for it in the kitchen and just not worry about things and just kind of get creative in terms of using up leftovers and then finally obviously i would say if once you've done all of those things it is inevitable that you it's impossible to perfectly balance supply and demand in a Mm. in a small kitchen right so you're always going to have situations that result in you having more food than you need and in that case i'd encourage you to add it to oleo and you might be thinking but will anyone really want three lemons i mean really and the answer is yes Mm. so half of all the food added to the app is requested in under an hour. You know, most things are requested in minutes. Some things are requested in seconds. Mm -hmm. So we just really encourage everybody to just get involved and give it a go. If you want to then kind of take the next step, I would highly encourage you checking out the goals section and just kind of working through that. You get 30 goals when you first join and then you get another kind of five each week. Uh, If you're interested in volunteering, then there's lots of calls to action through the user journey to join our ambassador program. And then also to become a food waste hero, which is just an amazing volunteering experience to kind of rescue such enormous quantities of food and be like a local father, Christmas Mm -hmm. handing out free food to your neighbors. It's massively sociable, hugely rewarding, and you get to keep up to 10% of of, uh, what you collect if you'd like as a thank you. And then the third thing I'd say is to look at your business. So the carbon footprint and the water footprint of food is enormous. Um, You know, our our global agriculture system generates a quarter of all greenhouse gas emissions. And so if you are serving food or um, have food in any part of your supply chain or even just in your office, then I would encourage you to investigate our Food Waste Heroes program or, or take steps to reduce food waste in your business.
0: Perfect. Well, guys, you you heard it here first. Go and do all of those things. Um, And I think what's been really great to see from our side, but also it's been great to see there are so many inspirational founders, people like yourself, some great businesses out there globally that are really trying to to make a big impact. You know, obviously people like Karma, of course, who are more on the kind of the restaurant chain side. Obviously, you guys have been doing some work together. Uh, We've got Chris from uh, Waste is coming on, I think, in a couple of weeks, as well as some other great businesses. But there doesn't seem to be enough noise, I think, being made about them. Um, just from your perspective, I mean, you're obviously speaking with a few other companies who are looking to also make impact. How does that work? Have you got some partnerships and stuff going where you can try and help each other, whether it's introductions or, or market? How, how's that going?
1: Well, it's funny you should mention Why Waste and Karma because the three of us have actually got together mm-hmm. to form a bit of an industry uh, coalition that's very, very recent. And so we are now uh, selling into clients a one stop shop that utilizes all, all three of our uh, services but it, it is really important that founders in the industry work together to support each other and collaborate because the reality is that food waste has not yet had its plastics moment it really hasn't but in terms of its environmental impact sadly it is it is way worse than plastic um, we just don't know about it we're just not aware of it we're not talking about it we're not trying to sort of fix it so um and, and we're thrilled it does feel like every week or every month more startups are coming into the food waste space and that's just brilliant news it's there isn't going to be a single solution to a problem of this size it's going to require absolutely everybody to get involved and start making a difference
0: perfect so i mean this is going to be a pretty easy answer but but was it worth maybe the sleepless nights and the fear of going out on your own <laughs>
1: uh, yes Uh, That's a a categorical yes. I I often say to people I've had three zero to one experiences in my life. One was uh, meeting my husband. The other was having my kids. And the third was founding Olio. And my regret is that I didn't um, start doing work that has real purpose much, much earlier in my life. It, It is transformational waking up every single day knowing that the world needs you to do your work. And I think as we look out at the world today, there have never been more problems that need solving. And so I think it's a great time for entrepreneurs to figure out what is the problem that I'm passionate about. You know, don't sort of try and think of an idea, go find a problem you're really, really passionate about and figure out the optimal way to solve it.
0: Sure. And as well, you know, for people listening who maybe have had those ideas, you know, there, there are amazing business opportunities here as well. You know, not just obviously totally. helping the planet and feeding people, of course, and just generally trying to make the world a better place. But there is huge opportunity for for business. You know, to really, really scale amazing companies globally as well. Um, and that's obviously something you're finding, right? And
1: yeah, so- I mean, I, I would go further than that. I would say there is going to be no greater commercial opportunity than saving the world. Mm-hmm. Sure. um so
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's completely true though we, we spoke actually a few days ago with a company that are coming on called mondra who look at carbon ticketing so people can make better choices in supermarkets um and they're the founder of awesome guy called jason he said like you know sustainability is potentially going to be one of the most lucrative industries to be in because every government should be getting on the program right you know yeah
1: every, absolutely
0: if you can go to Tesco, for example, and say, or you know, any other supermarket is also available, but um, you know, we can save you ten percent, they will listen to you. <laughs> you know, there is yeah. so many, there's so much room for innovation as well, basically. Um, so yeah, that's some great sort of lasting, lasting words there for for everybody. But look, I, I know you're super busy all the time, so I really appreciate the time you've given us. Um, nice. Are you happy for, you know, founders and people, you know, who have some really exciting ideas or, you know, maybe keen to pick your brains if you have a spare minute in the day for people to reach out and maybe collaborate?
1: Yeah, well, I do. I try and allocate a couple of hours per week to um, give back, which sounds very grandiose. But, you know, we have been doing this for five years now, so we've... uh, got the knocks and the scrapes and the bruises to show for it uh, so yes i'm i do spend time sort of sharing our learning experiences with other founders in particular for diverse founders mm. um, so i really because i i'm i feel very very passionately that we're only going to solve the biggest problems facing humanity today when we have truly uh, diverse founders in, well represented and um yeah i'm always keen to speak to diverse founders
0: Fantastic. And last question for you. Um, what If you could go back now when you started the business, what would be the one piece of advice that you would have loved to have had from yourself back then? Um,
1: brr, one piece of advice. Which I think, to <laughs> well, to be honest, you know, pick one. Wow, that's impossible. Um, oh, yeah. But randomly selecting one thing. For anyone who is coming from a corporate background, which both Sasha and I did, you actually have to kind of unlearn a lot of stuff to move into the startup world. And I think the the biggest thing that we both had to unlearn is that if you've spent a lot of time in the corporate world, you get very accustomed to feeling like you have to know the answer to everything. And also you will sort of set in stone, we will deliver X over a wide period of time and the reality of an early stage startup is that you don't know the answer to anything you must certainly shouldn't be committing to exactly how you're going to achieve something your only only job in the early stages is to experiment as quickly as possible and sort of really embracing that and understanding that that wasn't me being inadequate or underperforming but it actually was my job almost kind of not to know but to go forward and explore and discover was just a really helpful kind of mindset shift
0: fantastic yeah great piece of advice thank you so much um no thanks for joining us i know you're on a really really kind of hectic schedule as always for anyone listening you guys are hiring as well right so i guess you're always looking for some yes yeah
1: we we are hiring so you can find us um our website is oleoex.com but to be honest if you just google Olio and food you will find us you can also find us uh, in the App Store, in Google Play, and on all the usual social media channels.
0: Perfect. Great stuff. So, well, look, Tessa, thank you so much for joining us. Really, really enjoyed that. And uh, yeah, to everyone listening, go and download audio right now. <laughs> Stop messing around. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, thank you. Bye bye.
1: Cool. Take care. Bye.